Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Plant Proof Podcast. For new guests, I'm Simon Hill, your host. And on this show, I bring you into conversations that I have with incredible people from all walks of lives. Doctors, nutritionists, athletes, activists, chefs, business owners, people who have overcome illness and more. Covering everything from inspiring stories, nutritional science, and often looking at things in a different light. Each episode comes direct from the studio to your earbuds to hopefully encourage you to look within, delve deep into your mind, and ask yourself questions. Often to challenge some of the beliefs instilled in us by society and make us more conscious about the lives we lead. In the last episode, the introduction was a little longer. And I had great feedback, so I'm following suit with this one, where I will quickly take you through what it means to me to build conscious muscle, some follow-up points on eggs and our cholesterol from last week, and my recommendations for polyunsaturated fats, including supplements, and a plant-based retreat that I'll be in in Bali, and then we can get into the app and meet this week's guest. Yesterday, I pulled together an an article for Nourish Magazine, and that was on building conscious muscle. And what I mean by that is fueling your body with nutrients that will not only get you those gains, but nutrients from foods that are healthy for the body and mind and come from a source that you are conscious of. I think it's really important that we understand not just the health benefits of foods, but where all the products on our plate come from, whether they're vegan or not. I think to be truly connected, we need to be conscious of this. The source of of your food affects the way the crops are grown, whether herbicides are used or not, whether genetic modification is used, whether animal cruelty is a part of the practice, and, and overall the impact the farming has on the planet. It would be foolish for me to sit here and say that only animal farming places strain on the environment. And I will be the first person to put my hand up that I think crop farming practices and the way we grow vegetables needs to improve in the future. You know, if we're we're going to be really honest about looking after the planet and protecting our soil and ultimately providing humans with nutrient-rich foods free from harmful chemicals. There's not a simple solution and it often can seem overwhelming, but from a consumer point of view, the best place to start is choosing products right now that you know are healthy, ethical, and the least damaging for the planet as possible based on on what you have access to. I've got a few agriculture experts coming up on the show later this year to to delve into this topic and shed some light on some of the bigger picture solutions and how we are going to, how we're going to come together and effectively feed a growing population, solve world hunger, eradicate animal cruelty, and stop ruining our soil. Often people ask me why I care about this stuff. You'll be dead and it won't matter. To be honest, I have such a thirst for knowledge. I'm the type of person that will have poor, poor sleep or I'll be daydreaming at lunch with friends. 
because something's on my mind that I want to understand better. And I don't want to just understand it. I want to know it inside out and then start to make impact wherever I can from a personal level all the way through to an education, funding and resource level at whatever level I can. Leaving the world in a better place is a, it's a throwaway line often used and I've been guilty of using it myself. My thing is I just know how damn lucky I am to be here. It's a miracle that we are alive, breathing, listening to this podcast, communicating with one another, enjoying this beautiful planet, enjoying delicious food. And I feel that the least I can do is care enough to understand and do what I can during, during this finite physical experience that we have, that we are having now. Okay. <laughs> that went from zero to 10 really quick. Where was I? So the conscious muscle article, that's going to be in Nourish Magazine in, in the coming months. So if you get a copy in Australia and you, and you like the read, let me know. It's a little different style to what I normally write. And for anyone overseas, don't fret, head to plantproof.com. Keep an eye on social. I post all sorts of things daily that I feel are relevant and hopefully hopefully things that are providing value to anyone that stumbles across them, to you guys. I rarely get any trolls or, or negative messages, so I must be doing okay there. Last week, I spoke about eggs in the introduction and I had some, some very valid questions about the fasting cholesterol that I mentioned. If you haven't listened, head back to the Erin Island episode, which mind you has, has ranked really highly. It's been widely spread across the world. It's one of the most popular episodes so far. So if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it purely for Erin's message, but also for the introduction and, and check out the introduction. But in short, I stated that there's lots of studies who confusingly look at fasting cholesterol to measure the impact of dietary cholesterol. But unfortunately, this is more of a measure of the liver, the liver's cholesterol production overnight and not the postprandial or post-meal cholesterol, which is what really matters because this, this is when we get a, a spike in cholesterol in the blood, which can oxidize and lead to artery damage. So a few of you wondered why then would someone, someone's cholesterol rise if fasting cholesterol was merely showing the liver's production overnight. And if this is hard to follow, just bear with me. I'm gonna, I'll put a blog up. I know it's quite confusing um, through audio, particularly if you haven't listened to last week. So here's the catch. I didn't talk last week about saturated fat and trans fats, which I probably should have, but I was just freestyling and I wanted to focus on one thing at a time, eggs and the fact that they do raise cholesterol in healthy people. In reality, saturated fats and trans fats cause a rise in your LDL and total cholesterol more so than dietary cholesterol itself because they essentially, in layman's terms, help trap your cholesterol. And we know that for certain. That's why the American Heart Association and basically all heart associations globally say to reduce both saturated and trans fats. Hence why I tell vegans to steer clear of coconut oil, vegan butter, and super high saturated fat processed vegan foods, particularly if you have chronic disease. Those foods may be ethical, but they are 
more than likely clogging those arteries just like animal foods. We actually know, for example, that coconut oil does raise LDL and total cholesterol considerably, just not as much as butter does. The American Heart Association say, simply put, there is no evidence to support the consumption of coconut oil for heart health. Evidence does not support the claim that saturated fat in coconut oil acts differently to other saturated fats. Anyway, the more saturated and trans fats in your diet, the less cholesterol your body will clear. So you can see if you have cholesterol in your diet along with the liver making cholesterol and you eat lots of saturated and trans fats, your total cholesterol and LDL will rise day on day, week on week. This is really important to understand. And of course, there will be a ceiling. So it will rise and you'll, you'll get to a ceiling point. But no doubt when it hits that ceiling, it's at quite a dangerous point for most people. But yeah, this is, this is really important to understand because vegans and vegetarians with unhealthy processed food-based diets can still have high cholesterol. So in recap, if you want to lower your cholesterol, you lower your saturated fat intake, cut out trans fats as they're unnecessary. Saturated fats are unnecessary, but it's very hard to cut them out completely because they're in, they're in you know, whole foods. You find them in, in nuts and things like that. So you want to lower your saturated fat intake, cut out your trans fats. They're just unnecessary. And when you remove processed foods, you'll naturally get rid of most trans fats and remove or minimize dietary cholesterol. And then on the flip side, replace these foods with foods rich in polyunsaturated fats and unrefined carbohydrates. And the best polyunsaturated fats, and when I say polyunsaturated fats, talking about omega-3s and omega-6s, the best fat sources in the plant kingdom the best polyunsaturated fat sources, I should say, are chia seeds, ground flax, hemp seeds, soy, even kidney beans and walnuts. And you would have heard me also recommend, and this is pretty much for anyone, particularly those who do not eat a lot of fish, to take a DHA, EPA, algae oil supplement. So that's that's an omega-3 supplement. And it's in the long chain form. So DHA and EPA is the long chain form which our body can use straight away without converting. I've recently been in touch with a company that's using very innovative technology in Australia to extract the algae oil. In in the wild, fish actually eat the algae and that's how they end up being omega-3 rich themselves. So algae oil is like a very direct source for omega-3s. And this new company sent me their brand deck, which I found interesting and, and showed the, the technology that they're using. But, and what really sets them apart is the way that they grow the algae, how they, how they grow it in a controlled environment, and they extract the oil in a way that minimizes any damage or degradation to the oil and the molecules. There's no heavy metal contaminants, um, which there often is and often present in, in fish and even in algae sourced from the ocean. So when that is available, I will share it with you and and you can have a look at that. Otherwise, you can go on to Amazon, you can go on to iHerb, and if you search DHA, EPA, algae oil, you will find brands on there. So there's a whole whole heap of brands offering vegan omega-3, and that's what that is. Now, lastly, before we jump into this week's episode, I mentioned a retreat (laughs) earlier on in this introduction, this very long introduction. 
Journey Retreats is bringing you a plant-based retreat in Bali this July, which I will be attending. I'll be there the whole week. The week will be full of adventure, workouts, delicious food, mindfulness, and much, much more. I've put together the menu with local chefs and I'm donating my fee to two charities, Live in Org, who raise awareness about mental health. And I actually had Sam Webb on, one of the founders of Live in Org, uh, early on in the early days of this podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and you can hear his story. And the second charity who I'll be donating to, or non for profit, is the Doctors for Nutrition. We're an organization in Australia and they're working to educate doctors and the public about the benefits of plant-based foods for health, which I think is really, really important. So if you are interested in coming, it's running from July 6th to 12th and you can find out more information at journeyretreats.com.au. So that's journeyretreats.com.au. And it doesn't matter if you're plant-based, if you are paleo, keto, it doesn't matter. Everyone is welcome. Come along. You'll really enjoy the food. And I look forward to seeing some of you there. All right. Hopefully some of you found that interesting. Today, I'm bringing you Tanya Poppet. Tanya is a head trainer at Adidas who is super passionate about health, well-being, nutrition, and in particular, encouraging people to move. In this episode, we talk about her upbringing in a really large family, the typical meals that she ate then, how and why she's changed the way she consumes food, how people close to her received those changes, the importance of exercise, and and lots of fitness tips for anyone interested in moving more. I hope you enjoy it. I'll see you on the other side. All right, let's do this. Tanya Poppet, welcome to the Plant Proof Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk all things plant proof. (laughs) Absolutely. And we were just going over the pronunciation of your name and I said, my girlfriend's name's Tanya. Yeah. So Good name. So you prefer Tanya, not Tanya, right? Yeah, yeah. I was always called Tanya growing up and I just got sick of correcting people. So Tanya's fine. I'll answer to both. Okay. Tanya's what my mum intended. Well, I'll try and get it right during this, this episode. That's all good. Now, you're from Wollongong or you live in Wollongong now? Yeah. Okay. And you, you're, you're up in Sydney quite regularly, right? Yeah. Yeah. I work up at a gym in Sydney called ION. It's a strength and conditioning gym small group PT or PT sessions. Yeah. Okay, cool. And just for, even for myself, I've never actually been down to Wollongong. I've heard, yeah. I've heard oh, wow. amazing things about it. And you know, there's a lot of beautiful places to go and see there, but also for the listeners and the, particularly the international listeners, can yeah. you describe where Wollongong sort of is in relation to Sydney and what it's like? Okay. So Wollongong is about an hour and a half South of Sydney. And it's on the coast. It's actually a university kind of town. There's a lot of university students, which makes it fun, especially good, kind of good nightlife, like it's a good night out. And we've also got the steelworks as well, which we're quite known for. It's kind of like a mini Newcastle. I don't know if it were bigger than Newcastle, but it's similar. Yeah, which is a couple of hours north of Sydney. Yeah. So, yeah, we're like a small... It's a big coastal kind of town. 
Okay. And in terms of what most people sort of get up to down there, is there, is it like a, a big sort of culture around getting outdoors yeah. and through the parks and the beaches and stuff? Yeah, we're really lucky. We've got some beautiful beaches, a lot of surfers. We have so many different beaches that face in different directions. So a lot of surfers really like it down there because there's always a break working somewhere. And I suppose because it's such a big majority of university students, it's quite an outgoing bunch. Like everyone's pretty social and yeah, it's a nice vibe. Okay. If you ever want to head down? Yeah. So if, if, if I was to head down, what are like, you know, some places that you'd say definitely go and check out, whether that's, you know, outdoors, beaches or parks or whatnot, and even places to go and eat, what would you recommend? Okay. So if you're going down to Wollongong, everyone will usually go to North Wollongong Beach. And there's a cafe there called Diggies and they do, they do, they will do plant-based stuff, but they also do omnivore kind of food as well. Cater for everybody. Yeah. Cater for everyone. And then everyone really likes to go to Austin Mere, Thoreau, Coaldale up north. That's so if you're coming from Sydney, it's a bit less to drive. And then I'm from Port Kembla, which is just a little bit south of Wollongong and it's got a beautiful beach. Okay. It's not known, like it's got a pretty bad rap because... Port, Port Campbell. Yeah, Port Campbell. It's used to be where the steelworks were, so people associate it with like the dirty steelworks, but it actually has some beautiful beaches. So. Okay, a little hidden gem down there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's getting more crowded though, so okay. look out for crowds. <laughs> All right, so you, so you say where you're from. Is that where you live now in Port Campbell? Or yeah. Is that where you grew up as well? No, I actually grew down grew up down in a town called Jerringong, which is a small coastal town. And it's like really beautiful. It's kind of like farm, rural area with coastline, with beach. Okay. So so if you think of Byron Bay, it's similar to that. We're just not as popular. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's kind of a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe don't say that too loud. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So is that, that's further south again? Yeah. So that's about two hours south of Sydney. Okay. So if you've seen on TV, if you're from Australia, you would have heard the Natural Necessity Surf Shop ad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, That's where I'm from. (laughs) Okay. There you go. Home to fame. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, a lot of people commute from Wollongong to Sydney, right? How often are you coming up to Sydney to work and do you, do you drive or take drive and train? I know sort of people mix it up a bit. So yeah, I take the train. There's no way I could drive in that traffic. It would, I feel like it would just add another stress to my day. Whereas if I go on the train, it's only an hour and a half and I can just switch off. I can listen to podcasts. I listen to yours quite a bit. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I can just switch off, answer emails, do whatever I like that time for myself. Yeah, it's actually not that bad at all. Okay. And growing up down in, let me see if I can get the name of this town right. It started with a G. Was it with a G? Jeringong. Jeringong. Is that yeah. with a G or a J? G. G. Okay. Yeah. What was... What was life like for you growing up as a as a kid, sort of part of a typical family down there? And, yeah. and what what sort of did you get up to, you know, as a family? Did you have siblings and were you into sport and things like that? Yeah, so I actually come from a family of nine children, all from my parents. Wow. And I will say we did have a TV growing up. That's what everyone likes to say. They're like, oh, did your parents own a TV? No, but we did. So <laughs> I've got, yeah, nine brothers, eight brothers and sisters, nine of us in total. And we were pretty sporty. Mum and dad always encouraged us to try sport. We did like touch some days, swimming other days, nippers. 
um, which is like a little surf life-saving kind of thing down on the beach. And we did little athletics and yeah. Your parents must have been busy. Yeah. What was the, what's the age gap from the oldest to the youngest? So my oldest sister is 41 and my youngest brother is now 21. 21. Okay. And yeah. where do you, where do you fit in? He's sort of midway. I'm second youngest. Second youngest. Yeah. So there's a big okay. gap between me and my little brother. Wow. The, um, the, the dinner tables must have been jam packed. Yeah, we didn't eat at the dinner table. <laughs> we, there must have been. It was there. Was there? Was it rushing to get the who yeah. was going to get seconds first? Yes, <laughs> for sure. There was always a fight. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't going to fight with my bigger brothers. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and what sort of what was like the regular meals? I guess that you guys were enjoying as a family and and, and arguing over for seconds. So definitely like more of a British inspired food as we tend to have down yeah. in Australia. Meat, free veg. Mum would make like, mum didn't like pasta actually, but she'd make a heap of pasta because it was cheap. Um, my dad's a fisherman, so he would go out and catch fish and then bring them back to eat. Yeah, yeah well, I guess being as efficient as possible. Exactly. I mean, that's important in any family, let yeah. alone nine nine mouths to feed. Yeah, they did, breakfast, an amazing, dinner. they did an amazing job. Like I'm in awe of them because none of them like we're earning a whole lot of money either. My dad's a postman, my mum's an aerobics instructor. So you can imagine it was quite a tight budget. Yeah. And during, so you mentioned that you were very active, you know, you, you and your siblings were doing things like nippers and whatnot. As you were going through school, was was health and fitness like a, a really big part of your life, you know, heading towards, I guess, graduating and, and thinking about what you wanted to do? Yeah, yeah. So I... All through primary school, we were all active and encouraged to play sport. Like even in like school, we everyone was out in the field playing all the time. But, no um, iPads. No, no iPads back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we did have computers though. So if you did want to go to the library, you could spend all lunch time in the library. But I don't think anyone did that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're all pretty active. I was probably more of a creative type though at school like and I would try sport but I was never awesome I would like I would always try and I always wanted to be good but I'm quite uncoordinated so oh really yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't have picked that from from like looking at the content that you put up I would have yeah. thought that coordination was at you know one of your strengths no I've worked hard on it <laughs> well that's good to know yeah yeah I was quite the gimpy kid actually but I'd always give my best shot how, how old are you now so I'm 27. 27. Don't, yeah. I mean, don't you think it's kind of funny? Like when I, when I was growing up, I don't know about you, but I, I never thought I'd get to the stage where I'm like back in my day. Yeah, now, exactly. Now, like when I think about getting outside and playing and kids now with iPads, it's yeah. like, geez, I'm having one of those back in my day. Moments. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, you know, you're old when you see someone like that your peers with and they write their birthday is like a 2000 or something. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh my gosh. I know. Yeah. You start going, wow, they're, they're, they're already like, at university, yeah. now born in the 2000s. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> okay. So heading, heading when you, I guess when you were going through high school, your, your, what you were eating sort of just stayed the same the whole way through? No. So I got quite health conscious, but not in a healthy way when I was a teenager. And I suppose that's what inspires a lot of my content these days. When I was younger, I actually developed a lot earlier than my peers. Well, I noticed myself developing a lot earlier than my peers. 
and it's kind of confronting when you're a young girl and you see your body changing before everyone else's. And at that age, you're so wanting just to fit in with everyone else and compare yeah, yourself you don't to want to everyone be judged else. And, yeah. Um, yeah. You don't want to stand out. Yeah, exactly. Know? So from a young age, I was really body conscious, which is quite unfortunate. And I feel like it's a big thing. It's getting younger and younger these days as well with social media mm. and it's very with easy this now. body image. Yeah. yeah, it's very easy now for kids to compare themselves to more and more people Definitely. and it doesn't just stop when they leave school now because when they get home, it's mm-hmm. it's on social media. It's a 24-hour yeah. thing that they would be having to deal with. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you had this this period where you developed – a little bit earlier than some of your yeah. your friends at school. Yeah. And, you know, how did this sort of transpire? What was that part of your life like? So I don't know what inspired me to start running, but I think I had this notion that if I, the sportier I was and the more active I was, the like skinnier and kind of healthier, I'm putting like my two quotation marks up, I would be. And yeah, I just started exercising, not too bad, like not, not too excessively. Like I'd go for a walk with my dogs and I was already doing a lot of sport as well. So I started training outside of that and doing extra stuff to, cause I knew the more active I was, the um, thinner I would be. And then I started getting into long distance running. So at Little Athletics, that was the thing that I knew if I worked hard for, I could be competitive in and I started seeing quite good results like because I was training hard and working hard I was getting better and better as I went. So some of that was around the challenge of performing but all, yeah. also achieving this body image that yeah. you had was it yeah. was that still a big part in the in the running? Definitely and in cross country running there is quite a body image thing you wouldn't expect it because everyone's so performance driven but a lot of the girls will go f- to be skinnier because it makes them lighter, it makes them faster. So as you go through the ranks, you'll see like every now and again a girl will like be super skinny and she'll start performing really well and then all of a sudden she gets an yeah. injury or a stress fracture. But um, I was never like super, super competitive. I just liked the fact that I could work hard and achieve results kind so, of thing. So what, what age is this roughly when, that, when this sort of all started? So this was between the age of 13 and 16, okay. I think, was where I became quite obsessive about it. And then on the food front, I would be quite restrictive. So this is back in the early 2000s where low fat was still mm. a big thing and all the like the food you see was like either diet or low fat. So I was like trimming every like ounce because I used to eat meat back then. I was trimming every ounce of fat off my meat, draining all the mints. As like a 13, 14, yeah. 15 year old. And, and what, were your parents sort of watching how this sort of mini obsession with fitness and health and what you look like translated into your food? Yeah. So my mum, I think she did go, she went around it a really good way. Like she was never forceful, but she was always there about educating me. And like saying, well, your body needs this fuel if it's going to perform and you can't be starving yourself and giving me all these, um, like just slowly, like never really forcefully, but letting me find out on myself by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally, I guess if 
it was more of a forceful approach, probably more likely just to, to rebel. rebel. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I can see that that would be yeah. a, a nice way to sort of help guide a teenager to hopefully make the right decision yeah. by themselves. Yeah. So was there during this stage, you know, you're, you're exercising a lot, you're, you're controlling what you're eating. Were, were you like body shaming yourself in terms of how, what you thought about yourself? Were you, how, were you, were you feeling positive about yourself? Like, what was it like? And also were other, were you, your friends, you know, doing similar things in terms of tracking the food that they were eating at, at a young age like that? Um, not really. My friends were actually quite like supportive as, of me as well. And they're like, oh, you're doing such good things with your sport. And yeah, they were never really body conscious themselves. I just was I don't know, I suppose because my mum was in the fitness industry as well, I would always read these magazines, see all these titles on how to lose fat, how to lose like fat around your waist, all this stuff that is just, I think it just perpetuates that body image and that ideal of uh, like any aesthetic ideals, like there's this perfect body type. And yeah, I found that as I went through my teenage years, I just was aiming for something that wasn't me and wasn't healthy. It was what I was comparing myself to. Mm, and it's so easy to fall into the trap of just, you know, you're reading all this stuff, you're exposed to all this stuff at a young age when you're really impressionable yeah. and it becomes ingrained in you and you just think, okay, well, if this is what society expects of me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I. it took a while for me to get out of that headspace, even going in through... Um, my teenage, uh, past my teenage years into university, that's when I started to move out of that because I was, I was actually at university to become, to become a teacher and I went through my degree being a teacher and I got into fitness and into another side of fitness. It wasn't just running, learning to strengthen my body and seeing how I can get my body to perform in that way. And it, kind of shifted my mindset from that body image into more of a performance-based goal. And that's when I realised that maybe I wanted to pursue this career because this is something I want to shift that mindset away from. Yeah. And and do you sort of look back now, I guess, being in the position where you are now as a trainer and having a lot of influence over people that you're training, but people also on social Mm -hmm. media, do you look back and I guess almost appreciate those the challenges and I guess adversity and things that you faced as a 13, 14, 15 year old because of what it's taught you. Yeah, such a good like learning opportunity. And I feel like a lot of trainers are in that same position where they've come out of that thing of just wanting to punish their bodies and realizing that that's not the best way to achieve a healthy lifestyle. And I think that's what drives a lot of people or they could have come from maybe being an overweight person and wanting to create a healthy lifestyle that way. So I think adversity is a big driver and where you've been, you kind of want to teach people so they don't go to the same place. And I want to dive deep into the training side of things and, and what you're, what you do on a personal level, but also you know what you recommend for, for others and how you train your clients and things like that. But before we move into that, at what stage of your life did you start to think more about the food that was on your plate in terms of animal versus plant things like that and and what what inspired that 
So I first started to have a think about it back in 2014. I remember um, just being more conscious about the food I was eating and where it was coming from. So the reason I chose to go plant-based was purely from an ethical standpoint. I just started to connect what I was eating. I always had a problem with what I was eating and not like not realizing and not associating it with an animal. So if I was eating beef, I wasn't, when I was eating it, it was just like this thing on my plate. It wasn't a dead cow kind of thing. So that was when I started, like when I started associating with that, I always had a problem with it. And I started to think of ways that I could start eating more of a plant-based diet. And there's like was a lot of like resources out back then as well. Like it was starting to come quite mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The thing that held me back for so long was like, I was worried about my health. I was like, how am I going to get my protein? How am I going to get my iron, my B12? And mom had always drummed into me that I needed to eat red meat. So I get my B12 and my iron and yeah, especially as a female Mm. and someone who's quite active. Yeah. So how did that, um, I guess, transition play out for you in terms of, I guess, arming yourself with the knowledge to feel confident to eliminate some of these foods from, the, from your plate? So I remember specifically, I, we went, me and my boyfriend went to Canada. What's his name? Geoffroy. He's, he's a French Canadian. Shout out to Geoffroy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, um, you should have brought him in. Yeah, no. <laughs> Next time. He's a better talker than me. <laughs> um, yeah, we went to Canada and I was like, it, like Montreal's actually really quite known for their vegan scene. They've got awesome vegan restaurants if you can ever get out to Montreal. Yeah, well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe a trip to Canada at some point, maybe this year. I was yeah. going to go to Vancouver, so maybe I'll have to throw in Montreal. It's on the other side, but it's yeah. worth it. <laughs> in summer, it's quite quite festive, quite good. Yeah. Yeah. So my boyfriend and I, I forced him to come to these vegan cafes with me and I was like, let's try these vegan restaurants. So this is in Montreal? Yeah. 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 And I want to give it a go because I've been seeing it, like been seeing all this like vegan inspiration and I was like, there's people that can do it healthy. I just want to learn how I can start incorporating yeah, more yeah. vegan meals into my day-to-day. And what what did you think, just before you go into taking him for that meal, what did you think about the word vegan or vegans, I guess, growing up as you sort of came across it? What Did you have any preconceived ideas? Definitely had that preconceived idea of them being someone who's like going to force this down on me, preaching like how bad I am for eating meat. And that's something that was quite scary for me. Um, and I kind of felt like it was this cult-like thing, like it was like a religion rather than the community that it is. So yeah, I suppose it was quite confronting. Like I didn't want to go straight into vegan cause, and, or label myself straight away because I didn't want people judging me if I did fall out of it or had a slip up or anything like that. So it was quite like a, just an adventurous thing to start with. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people are like that, you know, yeah. at the start just and I think it's a nice way of doing it, not 
announcing something, a label. I mean, it might work for some people, but yeah. more often than not, it can put a lot of pressure. Definitely. Particularly e- even just around, you know, it might spark debates or conversations yeah, exactly. that you're personally not really ready for yeah. yet because like you can, you know, in a couple of weeks read a lot of books, but to really sort of feel comfortable in talking about if someone was to sort of push your buttons on why yeah. you're not eating meats, I think that comes with like a bit of time. Yeah, I still get quite uncomfortable because people tend to be quite defensive around their food choices and I never want to make anyone feel bad for what yeah. they're doing. But, yeah, I, I notice even with my friends, or I don't have to say anything. I'll just be eating yeah. like my vegan meal and they'll be like, so did you know vegans, la, 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 la. And I'm like, oh, all right, I don't want to talk about it. This yeah. is my meal. I love it. And I've been eating this way for four years, so you're not going to convince me. Mm. Sometimes like, it's, you're right, it's tricky and you don't want to make someone feel bad. Exactly. Like I, was, I was talking to someone yesterday, I won't, I won't name them, his fiance mm-hmm. is pregnant and, yeah. and they're vegan. Yeah. And they were um, – having dinner with a non-vegan family oh, who yeah. had kids and stuff and, like, the kids were stuffing their face with junk food and all processed crap, like, yeah. crap, just junk, yeah. right? And yet the parents were, like, quizzing her about, How oh, is your baby going to be vegan? And she was just, like, oh, just thinking in her head, like, I'm not even going to get started. Like, sometimes it's you do need to bite your tongue. You need to, yes, you need to sort of definitely. pick and choose, like, is this the right place to try and – Am I going to come across as making them feel bad or preachy? Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes it's just, it's, I still find it challenging today. So yeah, I think definitely. as experienced as, as you get, there's still always going to be times where it can be tricky. Yeah. So, okay, let's come back to Montreal. Yeah. You, you said, let's go uh, and check out some vegan places. Yeah. What was your experience like? It was awesome. Me and my boyfriend both like loved it. We were just, I thought it was really cool with the things that you could do. I was assuming that vegans would just eat like salad and veggies and um, there wasn't much variance, but there's some awesome things you can do with food. And I was always quite inspired because I did like cooking. I've always liked cooking. Not really when I get like home late from a (laughs) working day, but yeah, I do like experimenting in the kitchen. So I kind of went away from that knowing that there's so many different things that you can try, things that you can experiment with, and it's kind of a little bit of a creative outlet as well when experimenting with different ways of cooking. So, yeah, I went away with new thoughts and I was more and more questioning what I was eating and why I was eating it. So thinking about why do I need to eat this meat if there's so many other options out there. And then I was thinking how I could make this into a full meal without me losing any of the nutrients and being able to refuel my body and able myself to keep training and live a nice active life. Then I was still eating meat, but I was trying to eat more plant-based. And we got back from Canada we had like one of those Netflix days. I think we were jet lagged or something. So we just like just binge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Netflix binge. <laughs> and we watched the Cowspiracy documentary. Yeah, yeah. And I watched that and I was like straight away just, okay, the reason why I'm not being vegan is 
it's selfish. So the, I, I don't want to eat animals anymore. I don't want to contribute to one of the major causes in climate change. And yeah, I decided that I'd go full vegan straight out of the bat <laughs> from then. So from then I was like, nope, Joff, we're going vegan. I'm just going to be cooking vegan meals. You can do whatever you want outside of the house, but I'm just going to be cooking vegan meals from now on. And it's been going strong since then. <laughs> and I think there's a lot more weight to a documentary like Cowspiracy yeah. when you have already been and tried some food. Yeah. Like you had that experience. Yeah. So I think if you watched Cowspiracy and you thought that vegan food was just lettuce and salad, yeah. I think you you may well feel bad, but then you go, okay, it's, well, so hard. it's not going to yeah. be sustainable for yeah. like, so what what am I to do? But when you when you can connect, when you when you feel the ethical side of things and you feel responsible Mm -hmm. and then you know that it's there's an abundance of food out there that you can eat that hasn't come from factory farming and and whatnot and gives you everything that you need to to feel good you know it makes that decision a little bit easier whether that's to completely eliminate or just partly or whatever yeah so I just yeah I I knew it was going to be difficult and I don't know why I just decided to jump straight into it. I usually hear people ease themselves in. But, yeah, I just thought if I'm going to do it, I need to just do it and cut it out straight away. And I knew that I'd have to learn a bit along the way. And, yeah, it just got easier and easier as I went on. And I actually really enjoy the food that I eat. So it made me appreciate food so much more. Yeah. The the food that you are eating now compared to sort of when you started, is it very similar? Um, you know, how, how have things changed, I guess? I actually don't know if it's that different. So I was, I think without even knowing it, I was quite plant-based as I was going through uni, mainly because it was so affordable. I would just like buy, so I used to live off $30 a week. My weekly grocery wow. shop was $30. I'm a real good tight ass. <laughs> so I would go and get pasta, pasta sauce, frozen veggies, rice, and I think I'd get some canned tuna. So that wasn't vegan. Um, and I'd get some eggs. And then that's what I'd eat throughout the whole week. Okay. It's and and like, what, what's a typical, I guess, day of eating look for, like for you now? So I eat a lot more than what I did back then. Dependent on how I'm feeling and what I've got on for the morning, I'll usually have only something really light for breakfast because I just find I function better. And if I eat a real big heavy meal, I can kind of get quite tired. So I do like a big bowl of oats every every now and again because it's so tasty and it really fills your stomach. But it actually makes me feel a bit tired. So okay. I, to, I used to eat a lot. Like so you go brain. a bit lighter in the morning. Yeah. 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 So I have yeah, a big bowl of oats or something light like fruit and nuts. Then for I'll have a midday snack usually, might be like a protein ball that I've made or some rice cakes and peanut butter and banana. I love those. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so quick and easy. Yes. It's like my staple. That either rice cakes and peanut butter or rice cakes and avocado. Can't go wrong. Um, then for lunch, I'll either have like leftovers from the night before, or I'll try and make something quick like veggies, chickpeas, um, sprinkle some like nutritional yeast and have some quinoa. 
Yeah. Sounds, sounds up. yum. Yeah. And then for dinner, it's, I've kind of got like a meal that I roll through. I'll change it up every now and again, but I love like satay veg- veggies with tofu and quinoa. And then I'll have part, like we have pasta on the frequent with lots of veggies and I make, um, so the day I found out about cashew parmesan was the best day of my life. <laughs> it like Take us through, take us through oh, cashew parmesan. It's sprinkled on everything. It's so easy to make. So if you have a food processor, you just get cashews, nutritional yeast, onion powder, uh, salt and pepper, and then blend it up and sprinkle oh, it on. Change your life. It's so good. I sprinkle it on everything. And it's good. Like nutritional yeast has so much protein in it. It's so good. For like the amount that yeah, you yeah, get. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it um, tastes amazing. Yeah, I love it. So it's I like you can go on everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I have that like pasta with my cashew parmesan. And I'm like yourself, a big Buddha bowl fan, because you can just chuck whatever in. It's a and, great way just to go, okay, well what what do I have left over yeah, that exactly. needs to be eaten in the next couple of days? Yeah. And you just, you know, whether it's on the pan or baking or whatnot, and yeah. usually within 10, 15 minutes, it's quite often I'm asked, well, doesn't it take ages to prepare the food? And I can sort of understand that from someone who hasn't done it before. Yeah. But once you get used to it, it's it's got to be, you know, the same time as it would to make an animal-based yeah, meal exactly. or at least a bit, a bit quicker. Yeah. I don't think one or the other is extremely different. And um, you like cook it simultaneously yeah. as well. It's not yeah. like you're separately making each one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I usually go sweet potatoes, put them in the oven. And then I will do, put the quinoa on. Then I'll start like prepping my tofu or my tempeh or if I've got lentils yeah. that day, make them nice and saucy. Then I'll get whatever other yeah. veggies and so get the, them So the together. entire prep time is just dictated by the sweet potatoes because exactly. everything else <laughs> exactly. happens while they're cooking yeah. anyway. Yeah. So if you eat steak and sweet potato, it's no different for the time. Exactly. <laughs> Either way, the potatoes need to cook. But the what what I like from what you just went through is that you know these foods are very easily accessible for most people. They're yeah. not overly fancy, yeah. and you know one of the other things that people may often um, question is: is plant based eating going to be more expensive? Yeah, do you, do you exactly. get that question often? I do. Like people often say, oh, isn't it really expensive? And I was like, have you looked at how expensive steak is? Like it's so dear. Same with all meat. So, yeah, I definitely think vegan is quite an affordable option if you do it smart and you don't need to go out and buy all that like um, trendy. Yeah, the trendy fake meats and like that can get expensive. And I will have them like as a treat here and there. But the bulk of my diet is Tofus, lentils, veggies, tempeh. More the whole foods or close to whole foods. And like you're making that parmesan at home. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you're buying the $14 jar of vegan cheese and you've got nine kids, well, yeah, Yeah, it's going to add up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're um, your boyfriend. Yeah. And can can we get his name again? Jeffroy. Jeffroy. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to spell it wrong, but it's going to be how I would pronounce it. Jeffroy. Yeah. Put one little thing over there. Okay. So did he? So did he go plant based at the same time as you? What what does what does his sort of plate look like? Does it differ to yours? Yeah. So being French Canadian, he's still stuck in his like dairy roots. They're quite known for like milk, cheese, 
and me as well. I thought it might have been a little harder for him. Yeah, it is. He loves cheese. Like I think it runs through his veins. It's quite disgusting. But <laughs> yeah. So he eats, he'd eat probably like a 90% okay. plant good. So based. he's nearly yeah. there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he never like. He never asked me to cook a separate meal or anything. Oh, so he'll eat so, whatever you cook. Yeah, he'll eat. he's really good like that. And then he just does a little bit of his own thing. Yeah, yeah. So if he's out with his friends or if we're out to dinner, I always watch him and he orders the meat. I'm like, oh, why'd you have to do that? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's his choice. He's a big boy. But, yeah, as long as he's supportive and he tries his best and he does enjoy vegan food, so he knows why I'm doing it. I just don't know if he's around that headspace where he thinks he can do it. He's still in that mindset yeah. that he needs to be like to put on muscle and stuff that he needs to and eat a little bit and, and stuff. Yeah. I mean, as you said, as long as he's supportive of what you're doing yeah, uh, and how you eat and you guys can still eat together, that's yeah, exactly. obviously a very important part yeah. of it. What about your you know, friends, your siblings, your family? What, did, what did, have they sort of, I'm, I'm sure they have, passed comment on you and, and how you've changed your eating? Yeah. So my family aren't like the most supportive of it. Like my mum is awesome. Like she'll go out and get me special food at family functions and always try and cook a vegan alternative for me, which is really nice. But yeah, I, not so much anymore, but I still get like the odd passing comment and that sort of thing. And I try not to take the bite every now and again, I do. But then I usually end up in tears because I get a bit emotional about it. Yeah. So like, <laughs> can you run us through? I mean, I find it interesting to hear from someone whose family may not be, all of them might not yeah. be 100% supportive or I guess understanding is probably yeah. a better word. They're supportive. Yeah, yeah they're, they're supportive. But the, and, Yeah. So, you know, you said it before, your inspiration behind changing was on your plate was from an ethical point of view. Is that like a discussion that you've had with them? Have they watched any of these documentaries that hit home for you? Yeah, I think I made mum watch Cowspiracy and like she can get behind it and I know she tries to eat more like plant-based but she's just not full vegan. But yeah, no one in the rest of the family has watched it, I don't think. But my, like, I, I've got a sister who's quite supportive and she, like, I stayed with her quite a bit and she was loving my vegan meals and she always talks about how good they were. So definitely have that support there. It's just my brother's actually a butcher. So he's oh, wow. got, yeah, he's got quite a tie to that as well. So he can be quite defensive and I don't usually talk about it with him. Yeah, it's quite a it's tricky. It's a funny I mean, we've situation. touched on it before. It's tricky. It yeah, can be tricky with strangers. It can be even trickier with family, especially um, if he's like his livelihood kind of yeah. like focuses on it. But it's yeah, it's so tricky to yeah. have a chat about it because I definitely don't agree with that practice. But he's my family, so it's I like, love and support yeah, so him like, anyway. I guess you know one of, one of the best things you can do is just lead by example. Yeah, definitely. You know, some people, more often than not, people, when they're ready, start asking questions. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's very, what my I feel my sis, like sisters do in there. Yeah, starting they're to really, ask a few yeah, questions. Yeah, and they're then, really supportive. Then, then that's kind of like that person is in a position where they're ready for information as opposed to yeah, like just definitely. giving the information to someone who isn't. Yeah, because they're not going to take it on, on board yeah. anyway. Everyone's got that. Yeah. And, and it's I'm, hard to go through things with an open mind, especially when you've got that viewpoint. Mm. 
And I suppose it just comes from accessing things with an open mind. I think that's what's helped me um, get through life. Yeah. And I mean, just to clarify that, I'm not saying you always have to wait for someone to ask you a question, but like, you know, you know who you're dealing with. Exactly. You know, like everyone has a good idea, like especially your siblings, because you know them very well. Like, you know, is this going to be received nicely or are they going to think I'm pushy? Am I provoking an argument? And it's just navigating through that, which is a challenge, but you learn from every conversation and hopefully get better and better at it. Do you, so we've spoken about the food side of things. What about supplements? Do you take any regular supplements like B12 or things like that? Yeah. So I have this iron powder that's like iron. It's like mainly like beetroot and camu camu and stuff. And it's iron and vitamin C. Okay. So I'll mix that in. With some water. That's and great. Have that. Do you know what what brand that is? It's called Vitius. Vitius. Okay. Yeah. Vitius and up. it's iron plus C. I yeah, I'll I'll take a photo and send it to you. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, and then I do take B twelve. I was taking it quite frequently, but I was getting quite bit bad breakouts from it, mm. from having it every day. And do you know I, what dosage it was that you're taking? Yeah, so it, I think it was like 2,500 milligrams. And how often were you taking it? I was taking it daily. Yeah, it's this is one of these things, like I've, I've been speaking about B, B12 dosage Yeah, uh, is quite tricky. Yeah. And there's some bottles are 2,500, some are 250, yeah. some are 500, but yet everyone seems to just take them all every day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, told, I told my friend who's a dietitian, she's like, whoa, you should yeah. be taking that like once a week or yeah. like once every fortnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, t- yeah, like you want like 2,000, 2,500 micrograms a week yeah. uh, maximum. Yeah, um, yeah, it's good good to know. Yeah. yeah my, I never had acne before. Well, I'd had like the odd breakout here and there. And in these past two years, I went to the doctor and they did a blood test and they said my stores were high, but my active is low, I think, or maybe the other way around. And so she immediately, she's like, oh, we'll just give you a B12 shot. She didn't just give me one shot. She put me through three doses over like three weeks. It was crazy. Like she just flooded me with it. Yeah, wow. You know, if they tested for... MMA or homocysteine, have you heard of those? No. So they're like markers. They're like a B12, like a marker of B12 deficiency. Okay. Which sometimes can be more accurate than just measuring serum B12. Yeah. But anyway, so keep going. So you had had that. Yeah, and I just, it all started on my chest and I just started to get like these dots all through my chest and all of a sudden this massive breakout on my chest, my back, up through my neck, all around my face and my boyfriend's like, what is going on? You like never break out like this. And I did not know. So we're trying to, from the start, he was like, it's that B12 shot you're getting. Yeah. Like it's the only thing that's different. And I was like, no, B12 is good for me. Like, like it's fine. And I just went through, I spent like hundreds of dollars on going to the dermatologist. I spent, I went to the doctor so many times. Did giving me bring it back to the B12? No. Nah. Never even asked about my lifestyle. Um, gave me these like hectic acne drugs. And then I was like, no, I'm sick of this. It's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. And I went to a naturopath and she did like this whole like lifestyle background. And I mentioned like, oh, my boyfriend thinks it's the B12 shot. And he's, she's like, oh, yeah, 
It actually could be. I've read a few papers on like yeah. you've got like you could have this protein in your skin or like a bacteria or something that can make you break out if you've got excessive B12. So, yeah, she like nailed it down to that. And so I just went a few months without taking B12 and it cleared up. And now every now and again, if I go a bit too hard with the B12, I'll get a little break. Yeah, it's not uncommon. Yeah. And I mean, even even people who are not vegan that take like a B vitamin type supplement yeah. and they take it and they if they're getting too many B vitamins in their diet plus that, they get breakouts. It's yeah. it's interesting because you never hear about that and like doctors will never tell you yeah. that if unless like I can't say for all doctors, but I've never heard anything about like over, like side effects of B twelve yeah. or B vitamins. Yeah. You hear side effects of overdosing on iron but not B vitamins. Yeah, and it just brings up a good point that too much too much of vitamins and minerals is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's important not just to be Mindlessly. opening up the supplement yeah. cupboard every day yeah. and smashing whatever you can and not thinking about, okay, well, what's in my diet? Yeah. What did the blood test show and what's the dosage of all of these? Exactly. And it's really easy to jump online and search nutrient reference values, whatever country you're in, yeah. and work out exactly how much of B12 iron or whatever it is that you're meant to have. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Okay, so that's I guess your diet, the diet side of things. Mm-hmm. You're doing a ton of training. Mm-hmm. You know, you're putting up so much inspirational content online, which is no doubt inspiring a lot of people to also get physically active. Mm-hmm. How is is your sort of nine to five every day or around training? What are you what are you doing for for work? So my focus with my own training is more on movement. So I will do, I have quite a big variety because I like to expose my body to different styles of training and just try and experiment with movement and make my body as versatile and ready for all things as possible. That's kind of my goal and my philosophy behind fitness. So I will do two strength days a week. Then I do like two to three mobility kind of movement, calisthenic style training, which is a lot what you see on my Instagram. And then I will do some sort of like cardio a week, like maybe go for a run or do go for a swim, swim laps, especially this time of year. It's like beautiful summer weather. And yeah, I usually try to like go through cycles of that can change from week to week. I, I don't really have a strict program. I with my strength at the moment because I'm trying to get stronger. I do follow like I think it's a 12 week strength cycle. Okay, what's that entail? Oh, it's just like with following the principles of progressive overload. Um, adding either so we're starting with a high rep scheme, working through that muscular endurance. Then we're going through like a mid range, more about the building the muscle, the strong foundations through like a 12 rep scheme, like a 10 to 12, yeah, hypertrophy yeah. style training. And then we're moving down from 10 to six. We never go past six because yeah. it's most people that come to our gym are general pop. So we don't think that they really need yeah. to be lifting max reps and we're just about getting stronger and more functional for every day. Okay. So, so that over that 12 week period, you're moving from that high rep range down to that low. Yeah. That works. Yeah. And steadily increasing the load. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And, you know, personally speaking, how, how long would you train for most days? Oh, uh, usually only like 30 minutes to an hour. 
Okay, so yeah. not not too long. Yeah, and I, I used to train a whole lot more. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely getting less and less with age, and the more I find my body needs to move for longevity, and yeah. it's less of that focus on intensity rather than um, more focus on intention rather than intensity. Yeah, and what what sort of emphasis do you play? I guess on on recovery. Are there anything that you do specifically, or any types of foods, or do you have protein or things like that? Like, um, I will have a protein shake usually, not after every session, but I definitely like like that as a good post workout snack. Like, I'll have I can never have just protein powder and water. That's just disgusting. <laughs> I like to have at least enjoy it. So I'll have raspberries protein powder like a I use a pea and rice protein from bulk oh yeah, yeah yeah I actually I, I send quite a few people to them they yeah they're good, good. Value. and yeah. I went down to their factory where they make everything and they clearly distinct their vegan and vegetarian range with their whey range they've got oh, two separate lines. rooms there's no yeah. cross contamination contamination they're yeah. like really respectful which is really that. different i guess to a lot of brands yeah. that are running both through the same mm. machine yeah yeah so you wouldn't you wouldn't quite know so yeah they've got quite a good plant based range um yeah so i have a post workout smoothie generally or i'll just try and get like as much protein like i'll have a protein snack it's usually after before lunch my workouts are or before dinner so it's pretty easy to get that nutrition and like the post-workout meal in. Okay. And for someone listening who might be female or male or whatever, who is wanting to, to start moving, what are sort of your, I guess, top tips for actually having the motivation to, to exercise regularly and what form of, of exercise would you recommend for people? So I think with this fitness culture that we've got, we kind of get led to believe that we need to start out just going to the gym five days a week. And that's not true. You don't need to just drop everything and get to the gym five days a week. One of the biggest things I find that makes clients fall off the bandwagon is adherence and patience. Like we always just want to go straight into fast results, a 12-week challenge or straight into kicking it in the gym five days a week when it's all about just creating simple, small habits. So just increasing your steps every day or going for a walk, adding a walk to the end of the day. It doesn't need to be something extreme for you to start and for you to start feeling good and seeing results. So yeah, start small, work your way up, find something that inspires you, makes you interested. So if you don't want to go to the gym and run on a treadmill and do bicep curls, you don't need to do that. You can find other ways to move, do something that inspires you to get more active and something that you're going to stick to. So true because the adherence is the is ultimately the key. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um and something needs to be sustainable for you. Definitely. And we we glorify the gym so much and around getting fit and that kind of comes back to those aesthetic ideals is like oh if I go to the gym I'm gonna look like those people that step up into a bikini on on stage at um bodybuilding competitions but it's so not true you just just try to get be more active that's 
that's probably the biggest flaw we're having in our society and that's why we're having such an overweight crisis is because we're not active and one hour a day slogging it out in the gym isn't necessarily going to improve your overall quality of life. So I just try and be mindful of ways that you can be more active, appreciate your body, see what it can do and, yeah. It's interesting because, I mean, you sort of spoke to, I guess, the fitness culture a little bit there and that when I look at it, there's been this cycle of where, you know, five years ago there was a lot of services and products and there still is many today mm-hmm. built around quick fixes and yeah. lots of promises, yeah. but not teaching people principles of how to live healthy, mm-hmm. which they can adhere to and, and is sustainable. Yeah. Do you see this, This you know, do you sort of feel what I'm feeling now that it's actually there's like this increased level of transparency and people like you are starting to talk and educate about yeah. it's, it's not about these quick fixes. Yeah, definitely. Thanks to the power of social media, we do have, like it can promote the other side as well, but we can also have people promoting a positive message and one that's more of a lifestyle base that you can try and work to get results from day-to-day life. Like it's not something that is going to be short. It's not in a tablet. (laughs) It's not in a skinny coffee yeah, it's not in a 12-week challenge. It's in something that you can set as a habit, set as something that maybe is a bit disciplined, like get you into the discipline of moving every day. But yeah, not thinking that it has to be something that punishes your body as well. So a lot of us, are we, we don't all have the time to spend ages in the gym slogging it out. And we've got other responsibilities. And I think with the stress of day-to-day life, not everyone needs to go in and add more stress by getting in the gym and grinding their body down. And I think there can be a bit of a culture with that. Like you have to challenge yourself all the time. You have to push beyond your limits where you guys are, or a lot of people that are working in offices or anything, you're pushing your, your limits in other ways. Maybe movement should be something about adding something else to your day or improving your brain function and performance so you can perform better in the office or better at work and yeah it doesn't always need to be about this physical performance so where you're training is it is iron right yep is that is this something that you speak to your clients that are coming because that's is that essentially like a gym or what's it like How's, how's it work in there yeah so it's a it's a strength and conditioning gym so we do follow like a typical strength program we do this like your prime movements, your lift, yeah, squat, deadlift, row, like pull and push and yeah, and lunge, rotation, cardio. So we base our program off that, then move into like some progressive overload to try and progress um, clients. It's always from a performance stand base, but there's always a kind of like a theme behind it, whereas we're not here to push our body to break. We're here to challenge our body and be better than yesterday. Yeah, so it's it's quite a good program. So I didn't write the program that is delivered to the classes, and but it it kind of moves more from setting down strong movement foundations. So we're all about grooving the pattern, getting everyone thinking about their movement, how they can move better, 
And then as we progress, we can start to challenge that. I really like it. And it gives people a different perspective on the way fitness has to be. They're more conscious of their movement rather than just slogging it out straight away. So most most people that are coming in, I guess, and training there are like, is, it, is that in the CBD? Yeah. Like, is yeah. people coming yeah. out of offices and stuff? Yeah. And are they, do they ask questions about what you eat? Not generally. We do have a nutrition coach at ION. I don't give nutrition advice. I'm not a nutritionist. But, um, yeah, so she generally gives out advice to people who have, like, particular maybe performance goals or even if it is a body composition goal and they're wanting to maintain a healthy weight, she usually gives out. She yeah. usually does that. So, do you are you finding that is it is there more and more people that are talking about incorporating more plants? Like some of your clients down there, is that like a, th- a common theme? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, no one can argue that a diet that's majority plants is better for you. And I'm finding that more prevalent in the industry and everyone I talk to as well. I don't know if they're just saying it to me because I'm a vegan or. (laughs) (laughs) But like the nutritionists down there, they sort of, they also get that. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually talked to Marika. She's one of our nutritionists as well. Um, Marika Day. She's awesome. She's not vegan, but she pushes the benefits of plants and. Yeah. Great. Yeah. She's quite educational about like every now and again, she'll do a post on vegan B12 sources and or like how to make sure you're getting complete proteins as a vegan. So yeah, she's quite good with that. And she did it. She actually did a post last night on her story. There was this thing that came out about the most sustainable diet. I saw it. Yeah. It's the, yeah. Uh, the planet, the planet diet, I think. Yeah. 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 Planetary diet. Yeah. yeah. So she yeah. did some screenshots from that and like highlighted that mostly plants yeah yeah it's um it was an amazing article i read i read it yesterday it was published in the lancet um journal and they i thought what i found that was really nice about the article that i read i think i read the article was on national geographic they wrote an article about that paper Mm -hmm. and essentially this planetary diet which they found to be good for health also for the planet's health it lines up very closely with the Okinawan diet, yeah, which is like yeah. a blue zone, yeah. you know, so where they In show long, longevity yeah. and they're very healthy, they have a high quality of life, they very rarely have medications, mm-hmm. they die of old age, they don't die of chronic disease. Mm-hmm. At the same time, this study has shown that the way that they're living, not necessarily looking at them, just the way if you eat those foods, you're having mm-hmm. less impact on the planet. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it wasn't about being hundred percent plant-based, but it was like, I think it was like 50 grams or something of meat a day, yeah. which is people, not much. I know. And people like look at that and they're like, what? That's all the steak I can eat. Like if you look, it's like a, tw- it's not much it's bigger tiny. than a 20 cent piece. It's yeah. like the size of your palm and the amount of meat you see people like eating day to day. And they think that it needs to be the center of every meal like breakfast lunch and dinner it's just complete comparison to what everything else says okay i want to ask you a few i guess bigger picture issues which sort of flow on nicely from that mm-hmm. from from that study do you think ab- about the the impact that your food every time you're eating is having on planet sustainability and things like that is that has that become important to you yeah yeah I'm trying to be more conscious of the amount of plastic 
I am consuming and it is very difficult. It's hard. Like, it's hu- like yeah. everything comes in plastic. Tofu, it's the hardest I thing. I know. We were saying the other day like yeah. someone needs in Sydney but in every city needs to have like not just bulk foods of nuts and seeds and grains. Yeah. They need to have like your tofu and yeah. just go in there and pick it out of like a big thing and put it in your, your container that you bring in. There's actually this brand down in Wollongong. It's Indonesian inspired. Um, it's this amazing restaurant actually. I should have told you there's this place called Bali Spice Magic and they no, do Indonesian that. food. That's good. It's not all vegan but they have an awesome vegan me- menu and it's delicious. I love it. Um, they actually do tempeh, but it comes wrapped in banana leaves. I think I've spoken awesome. to these guys before. Oh, I've got yeah? to get down there. This tempeh is like famous. I think yeah. someone sent it yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's cool. So try to get on that bandwagon. But yeah, tofu, like everything comes in plastic. It's so hard. Mm. But the things that you can do, which is super easy, is just replacing your water bottle, uh, bringing a keep cup and taking your grocery bags, your canvas bags. Yeah, you can start with that low-hanging fruit. Exactly. Make, make a big impact. Yeah, and, and then try and progress from yeah, there. Yeah, and hopefully from a brand point of view in society, it, it gets easier yeah, for people. Yeah, people um, are making that jump. Big companies are making that yeah. jump and making that link between sustainability and what they're producing. Like even like I do some work with Adidas and they've got that whole partnership with Parlay where they make – a good range of their products out of recycled ocean plastic. plastic. Yeah. 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 I've seen some of those. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You do need to wash it a certain way because okay. the microplastics. All oh, right. Yeah. What do you do? Put it in a bag? Or, yeah. yeah. You've got to put in a bag, um, yeah. like a delicates bag kind of thing. Yeah. I had um, Tim Silverwood on yeah. recently and yeah, he was speaking about microplastics. So yeah. I found, <laughs> I had to laugh. It's, it's probably not that funny, but I, I ordered some food from a plant-based cafe on Uber Eats. Yeah. The other day, it was a new a new place. Yeah. I think it was Asian cuisine, and the food turned up in uh, sort of like biodegradable packaging. It yeah. was like the 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 whole you know like the brown bottom. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's like a paper material. Oh yeah, yeah. So like I was like, oh, this is this is good. They're they've got um they're onto the packaging here. Yeah. But then. <laughs> They had a complete like so that was just like sitting on the bottom, but inside it was like a full plastic bowl and a plastic lid. Oh. So it was like double packaging, and I was like, I think they missed the point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they missed the point. I was gonna, I was going oh, to write them so a little funny. note. Yeah, I think yeah, they, they tried too because they, they are trying. They tried. Like, you can tell that they're trying, <laughs> but they, yeah, they definitely missed the point. Do you know what I find really hard to get in the habit of? Because I never even want a straw but I'm always given one. It's so hard. Like, cause you never know when you're going to get mm. given one. Yeah, you like ask a drink and then all of a sudden that, there's a straw in it. And like, and once what it's do in I, there, yeah, exactly. What do yeah. I do with this? It's the same as the co- like the, the coffee, like I'm guilty. I usually have a, a cup that I take down, but yeah. if I don't, I say double espresso, no lid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So at least it's a paper like, cup, yeah. right. And there's no lid. And uh, I, I think five, six times out of 10, They'll put the lid on yeah. and like I'll, and you, I'll take it off and say you can keep it, but they've written on the top foam. and it's got foam yeah. and it's like, <laughs> yeah. damn it. Yeah. Usually if I if I forget my keep cup, often I'll be like, oh, just put it in a mug and I'll scull it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the I guess 
I want to know what's what's the overarching reason that you love doing what you do? Why why do you love training people and inspiring people to be healthier and and enjoy their fitness? I suppose with all that I've been through and my passion for health and fitness has been brewing over a long, long time. I can get people to see a different side of what they would view as fitness. So I don't know if you've seen some of my stuff, but I'm quite movement orientated. So I saw that um, big tire that you're pushing around. Oh yeah. I love, <laughs> I love a good tire workout. I like to get outdoors to move. See, I'm not one of those people that love going to the gym. I do like going to the gym, especially if there's a community vibe, but I just feel so much better if I can combine my workout with getting outdoors because a lot of with what we do in society, we don't get enough opportunity to get outdoors. And I think if you can combine the two, it's a good way to double dip and get some vitamin D as well as get your sweat on. It's also a good way for you to be creative with your workout. So I think we also don't play enough and a lot of what we do is so structured. If if you are going to the gym five times a week, there's some movements that you're missing out on. And we tend to like focus on these like bilateral movements and we're in like the sagittal plane. We think that we're stuck to the sagittal plane as we move. So just to explain to the audience, we have three planes of movement and in the gym we're usually either like squatting, deadlifting, uh, rowing and not really getting out of that sagittal plane, which is where, where we spend a lot of our life. Where in day-to-day life we can get exposed to everything and a lot of the injuries occur through our other plane. So we've got the frontal plane, the sagittal plane and the transverse plane. So your frontal plane, if you think about I'm getting my um, trainer hat on, where oh, this is great. <laughs> we're imagining that we're in a corridor, we've got walls either side of us so we can only move forward and back. That's the sagittal plane. For the frontal plane, we've got the wall in front and behind us so we can only move side to side. And then with our transverse plane where we can rotate, we're in more of a cylinder and we can move around. And so that's how, as trainers, we categorize movement. And in day-to-day life, a lot of the injuries that we get is usually in those other two planes because we're usually strong in our forward and back movements, but side-to-side and rotation um, can leave us exposed. So that's why I like to do the kind of movements that I do. As you can see, I'm like constantly rotating, moving side to side, just playing because I think that's that's a big part that we're mi- missing out of our life and it kind of gives you an extra stimulus as well. It doesn't always need it's to def- be loaded. Yeah, it's that word playing is like we we as adults, we think playing is for kids. Yeah, exactly. But if you can start to play and what you're, everything you're talking about there is, I guess, functional movement patterns, mm-hmm. you know, not just yeah, exactly. in a single plane yeah. um, to build up strength, strength which can muscle. translate into everyday yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not saying that that's bad. It's awesome and it's another way to move. And if that's the type of movement that you enjoy doing, so be it. But then also I'd expose myself at least once a week to something new and something that's going to get my brain and my body thinking a bit differently. Yeah, and keep challenging challenging yeah. yourself outside yeah. of your – I know myself because, like, I I train – I've trained in the gym for a number of years, yeah. but it's not everything that I do and I know that I need to get out, I, you know, working out on the bars and things that yeah. are a bit more functional and yeah. just exposing your body to 
completely different movement, movement patterns. Yeah. So we always think that with our programs that we always need to progressively add load, whereas we can stimulate our bodies in so many different ways. And eventually there's only a certain amount of weight that you're going to be able to pull off the ground or a certain amount of distance you're going to be able to run or, yeah, I feel like experimenting with different forms of fitness is a good way to keep that variety up and just moving and playing. It's a credit to you that you've been able to discover this 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 way of training and this outlook, I guess, onto fitness, which mm. you can now teach to other people. Yeah. Um, as a result of what we were talking about earlier in the episode, the challenges that you face, I guess, with fitness and health and what that meant to you yeah. as a as a young person. Mm-hmm. And I can see just from talking to you now for an hour that your mindset has changed. Yeah. And I think as humans, we often think that um, if someone changes, it's like, oh, that person's changed. But like we as humans, we, I mean, human being, we are a being because we're not stagnant. We yeah, exactly. forever evolving and transforming. Mm-hmm. So it's just nice to hear that you were able to take what many would think of as a negative situation from your childhood mm-hmm. and turn it into such a positive that can then um, serve others. Yeah, exactly. And um, to go on that, I think if we keep our mind open to different things, then that's going to allow us to evolve way more. So I find that we can be quite close-minded and I don't know if it's just like people, especially in the fitness industry, wanting to jump in bandwagons and just staying in that one space. But, yeah, we tend to critique every other form of fitness. Like you've got your bodybuilders critiquing CrossFit and all that sort of thing, whereas we all should be working together. I think we've all got such amazing value to add to people's lives and a bit of everything is kind of a good way to get your exposure up to different things and I think we can talk to other people in the industry we don't need to be in our camps yeah I completely agree with regards to that even if you look at say nutrition yeah the same right like it's confusing for someone who's like you know, may not have made any changes to their to their nutrition and they're hearing all this paleo and keto and Mm. plant-based but when you strip it all back, there's like 80, 90% that most of everyone agrees on. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like if we focused on the 80 to 90% that everyone agreed on, instead of highlighting the, the, differences. the differences and bullet pointing, oh, keto is this, mm-hmm. paleo is this, and plant-based mm-hmm. is this, and this is why they're all different. And then everyone's like, well, I don't know where to start and I don't know who's telling the truth. Yeah. It's fitness industry, nutrition. If we could look at what everyone agrees on, mm-hmm. it would um, remove a lot of confusion. <laughs> yes, I know. And it's so, uh, yeah, the poor consumer these days because they're just exposed to so much more of it because mm. of the internet and it can be so confusing. Whereas you've got to find something that works for you and that you can get comfortable in and you want you will want to change it at points. So you don't, you don't need to do all variety at once. That's just going, you're going to set yourself up to be injury. You need to get comfortable and learn how to be comfortable in one area, then expose yourself to something else and yeah, learn from different things and don't be, a, don't think that you need to put your flag down in one camp and stay there because there's so many different opportunities to move and different ways to be healthy and integrate that into your lifestyle. Well, this has been great. I've learned a lot about you and, and, and our listeners, a lot of great tips for the listeners. Is there anything that you think we haven't covered that you'd like to to add or 
um, how can people connect, I guess, with you to, to ask you questions or to sort of follow the content that you're uploading? Yeah. So I'm probably most prevalent on Instagram. I'm on Facebook as well, but I'm terrible at posting on Facebook. So I apologize if you do follow me on Facebook, but yeah, I'm most prevalent on Instagram and I'm usually pretty good with DMs, though it can be quite hard at times. I'll try and set some time to reply. And email is also good. So you can find my email on my Instagram if you want to get in contact or, yeah, if you've got any questions, want me to clarify anything um, or you're having any concerns about getting started into a fitness routine, I'd be more than happy to help. (laughs) Amazing. And my final parting question What do you think the world needs more of? What do I think the world needs more of? I think I'm going to be very vegan and say compassion. (laughs) That's a common. That's a common one. Oh damn! I knew it would be. But I mean, (laughs) yeah. But I mean, it's it's true. Yeah, yeah, and respect, respect for themselves and respect for other people. Yeah. So you got to start with yourself, respect yourself, and then you can learn to respect other people. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. I'll, um, I'll have to come down with my girlfriend, Tanya. Yes. And maybe meet Jeff Wah. Did I get that yep, right? Yep, we'll, yep, um, We'll have to check out that tempeh down in Wollongong. Oh, I can take you to I can give you breakfast, lunch and dinner in Wollongong. <laughs> okay, well, you're on. Sorted. <laughs> thank you very much. All right, thank you. Howdy, friends. Hope you enjoyed that one. I'm sure many of you can probably relate to the social challenges associated with changing your diet that that Tanya and I spoke about, whether that's with a family member, your partner, or your friends. If you did enjoy the episode, both Tanya and I would love to hear your feedback. Please DM either of us or share your review or feedback on your Instagram story. And if you have a spare one or two minutes and haven't left a review on iTunes for this show, I would be super appreciative if you took the time to do so. It helps the show become more discoverable and gives people more reason to tune in. The reviews really do matter. If you don't have an Apple phone, I'll let it slide. Thanks in advance, folks, and I'll see you next week.